Welcome Indians fans to Downtown Indians, a Downtown Sports Network production. I'm your host, Zach Martin. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's play ball. What is going on, Cleveland Indians fans? Welcome to episode two of Downtown Indians. And I know some of you fans are going to be like, wait a minute. Wasn't episode one part of the Rockin' and Off Cleveland? And yes, it was, but we under a new name and new banner. If you haven't seen the news on the Facebook page, we have been called up to the Major League of Podcasts. We are joining the Downtown Sports Network, and I am so excited to be joining those guys. They got a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff going on coming in the future. In the next couple months, we will get more news on that once it comes out. But we are joining that family of Downtown Sports Network, and I'm so excited because I got tabbed to be the Indians guy on that network. So I am really excited to bring you guys more content and hopefully some more cool things coming on in the future. Maybe get some articles in. Who knows? I guess we'll just have to see, but I am really excited to bring you another episode of this podcast. Yes, it's basically new name, new network, but you're still your exact same host, and I'm Zach Martin. So let's get going into some Indians baseball talk. A lot to go over today. I'm going to go over the start of spring training. All the guys fully reported yesterday, so the full squad's there. First Spring training game is a Saturday, so we have look we have that to look forward to. Um, so more stuff that just came out for Francisco Lindor this morning. I am going to touch on a little bit. Going to go over more, just going to go over the saga of just this whole crazy offseason. The Houston Astros only one time this year. This is going to be the only episode I'm bringing this up and going to talk about it. So anything happens in the future. Not going to worry about this is an Indians only podcast unless something huge around baseball happens. But in terms of the Houston Astros, only one time I will be bringing this up. We'll go over some fan questions as well and also talk about, uh, you know, the commissioner of baseball, you know, Ron Manfred and his, uh, we talked about in terms of the World Series title, so I will be going into that. So, like I said, a really jam-packed episode. Got a lot of cool stuff going on, but I'm really excited to have you guys here. Let's kick off the new era of this podcast as downtown Indians. So the first thing we're going to go over is the Ron Manfred thing. Just want to get this out of the way. I know a lot of people have seen it. Baseball players have even chimed in on it. And this is... Ron Manfred has done a lot... Rob, Man- Rob Manfred has done a lot of ridiculous things over the last, you know, ever since he became commissioner, you know, trying to get the three batter minimum for relief pitchers, you know, trying to do a pitch clock, trying to almost like dismantle the minor league system because they're trying to get the facilities good, but they don't have all these teams, which for me, it's like, how are you going to have all these players? Like, it's already hard enough to get into baseball, and you have all these teams already to have a you know, development system because you can't just have, you know, double A and that's double A, triple A in the majors. Like, you need guys to develop, even young guys. You can't just expect guys to be playing that good of baseball that fast when you don't have, you know, rookie season ball, short A, extended A, full A, double A, and triple A, and all that. So it's just. Whatever Manfred's doing, it's just it blows my mind for the fact that this guy is so out of touch. And then, reported by Bill Plaschke of LA Times that Manfred's, Manfred says that he didn't strip the Astros of title because the idea, um, this is the quote that he gave from Manfred, quote, the idea of asking for a piece of metal back seems like a futile idea, end quote. And then Bill Plotsky goes, really? The World Series Championship is just a piece of metal? The Corporate Commission still doesn't have a clue. And he's right. He doesn't. 
how can you take a title like the World Series, the thing that basically has been the one goal for every team since the Major League started? Teams will fight for anything, will do anything to get this title to be called a world champion, and you just come out and say that it's just a piece of metal? Like, what are you doing? Like how can you just how can you say that about a World Series? You're basically devaluing the title and basically what all baseball players strive to do. Yeah, guys want to go and you know make money, play contracts, play baseball as their career, which is you know what almost any kid wanted when they were growing up. They wanted to play baseball. They wanted to play some sport, you know, to do something like that. Even I mean, I wanted to play baseball too at some point. But it's just. To devalue that is so infuriating that so basically what all the guy all the baseball players do is basically what nothing is just they're playing for a piece of metal then it's like you're basically slapping the face of tradition that has basically been baseball and basically telling the fans that oh you're just going to games because we want to make money off you guys instead of you know seeing your team winning a title. There's been a lot of guys that come out, you know, and said that. But the best one I've seen is from Justin Turner of the Dodgers, and I don't post a whole lot of other team stuff going on in this on this you know podcast and on the Facebook page. But I did post this earlier today. Justin Turner said, and I quote: "Calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal. I don't know if the commissioner has won anything in his life. Maybe he hasn't." For him to devalue it the way he did yesterday just tells me how out of touch he is with the players in this game. At this point, the only thing devaluing that trophy is that it says commissioner on it, end quote. Now, this was, Justin Turner said this yesterday, so this was probably two days ago, so we're talking Sunday, that Manfred said these comments about the trophy, and Justin Turner said this yesterday. Basically, Justin Turner is right. There's been guys so not happy with Manfred. And you look at like Trevor Bauer of the Reds, former Cleveland Indians pitcher, basically ripping him a new one about this new proposal of the playoff system where now they're going to add two more teams all right to the five dead get in. So you're talking seven teams each. The top two get a, a bye, and then they get to pick who they want to face next. It's like, so like. So what you want to kind of make it easier for yourself to get to the to the next round? It's just all the stuff that Rob Manfred has done in terms of trying to make all these new rule changes and like trying to speed up the game and all that. It's like it's not about speeding up the game. It's not about having a new playoff system. It's not about having you know three pitcher minimums, having pitch clocks, having yada, yada, yada. The list goes on. It's not about that. If you want to make the, if you want to make fans come and have a better experience, lower the ticket prices. Tickets are just getting out of hand. If you're talking, if you look at teams like the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, these teams have been in these ballparks since the 1900s. And there's still exorbitant amount of money to get tickets, even for the nosebleeds. Like we're talking hundreds of dollars, and you expect fans to come to 100 and you know like 81 games. You're talking about 81 home games, and you're talking thousands upon thousands of dollars just for season tickets, and then like hundreds of dollars for single game tickets. And you look, and just looking at the Indians, you'll see like certain games, like if you're talking just like left field. We'll just talk about the cheapest seats possible, either in left field or the standing room in right field in the in the beer area. Those tickets fluctuate depending on who's coming to town. Let's say you get the Baltimore Orioles. You're talking $7 a ticket. You're talking about the New York Yankees, LA Dodgers, any of those big-name teams coming to town. You're talking $20, $30 for a ticket. To me, that's like that is insane how the fact that you can have one seat just in one section, fluctuate so much money just because of the team who shows up. And it shouldn't really be like that. It should be one set price for the, it should be one set price for every game, or at least, you know, if it's $11 for Baltimore, make it 15 for the Dodgers or 15 for the Yankees. Increase it a little bit, but don't exorbitant, just don't go insane with the ticket price. It's not. That it's what basically like it's it, don't make it expensive for a family of four or a family of three to go to a game because you're talking tickets for all three of them, talking about parking, food, beer, 
souvenirs. It's like it can get really expensive if you let just let these, you know, exorbitant amount of just the ticket prices go up. And it's like I understand you want to make a profit, but you're already making a profit with having just all those concessions, all that stuff, all the TV deals you get too. Even like with the medium and small market teams, they they make money. They have TV contracts, like I just said. It's not needed to be that expensive. That's what Manfred has to realize. If you want baseball to thrive, you got to do something with ticket prices. You've got to do something with concession prices. Or how about this? You stop with these blackout restrictions for t- for fans in local cities. L.A., for example, it is impossible to get Dodgers games or, or Angels games when you get the MLB you know, app or you know, MLB.tv because you don't want to have cable. But the bad thing is you can't watch a team because you're on a blackout-restricted area because you're too close to the team, even in, even in Ohio or just any team. It's just unfortunate with just how baseball is in terms of TV rights and TV deals. Just these blackout restrictions hurt teams and their fan bases so hard because it is impossible to get a game unless you have normal TV or cable or satellite just to get those games. And it shouldn't be like that. If you're in a city or if you're, you know, got the package, like if you want to watch the games, but you don't want to pay, you know, exuberant amounts for, you know, cable and all that stuff, you should be able to watch your team without a blackout restriction or having to go illegally stream it just to see your team play. And you're in that same city. It shouldn't be like that. And that's what Manfred needs to realize that if you want the fan bases to grow, if you want the sport to grow and continue to thrive, don't worry about these dumb rules and try to fix all these things, try to go after the minor league system. Look at TV blackout restrictions. Look at just how the the TV contracts work. Look at tickets, all that stuff. You don't need to mess with all this stuff. And for the fact that he devalued the trophy like that, it proves just so out of touch he is with fans. It's like he's alienating, he's basically alienating the sport. He's alienating the fans from, you know, wanting to, you know, watch it. And all this other stuff, it, it, it's it makes it, it really hard to see because you're talking about the lost generation of baseball fans. You're talking about you know older fans who are sick of watching the game. You're talking about people who you know in like around my age bracket, you know, in the in mid like mid to late twenties, early thirties, who you know went through the two thousands. You know, Mark Wire, Sammy Sosa, Ken Lofton, Manny Ramirez, Nomar Garcia Para, you know, Jeff Kent. All these players that played for so long, and like even looking at even even in Cleveland, there's Travis Hafner, Gray Sizemore. You know, it's just it's so crazy to see just how out of touch the commissioner is with this with this sport, and it almost. <laughs> When we people think that Roger Goodell in the NFL is bad or Gary Bettman in the NHL is bad, Rob Manfred is on he is on another level of ridiculous in terms of just running a sport into the ground. And either he needs to get a dose of reality of what he needs to do as a commissioner, or he needs to get kicked out. But it looks like the owners don't really want to do that because they're making a profit off of what Manfred's been doing. And I just don't think it's like they're already making enough money and there's all this stuff going on. It's not, it's just not a good move to keep this guy in here when he's basically destroying baseball and there's players who don't like it either. And at some point you're going to think that players are going to stand up and be like, no, we don't want to do this. You're changing the game. You're making it. You're just not making it what it's supposed to be. Like it has been for years. Yeah. Some change is good, but don't go insane with these changes. It doesn't, it's not going to help anything. So I don't know. Just just seeing what Manfred said, and the Justin Turner's right. Like you can't you can't be doing stuff like that. And then, like you said, like I said earlier, with looking at Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer, you know, wasn't he's right about the playoffs. It's ridiculous. It's just like why are you why are you doing that? It's just and the fact that I I am going to transit because just talking about my Rob Manfred and basically I'm just going to just go into the Astros talk because this is something that has just been the whole situation has been a cluster of just of of a mess. And 
I did have one fan question. Usually I do my fan questions at the end of the episode, but it kind of, but this, the fan question that I got does tie into the situation. So I will bring it up in the segment with the Astros. And this comes from Owen Schneitzler. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Let me know, man. I really don't want to butcher your name because you give me a lot of good questions. Schnitzler. Uh, All right, this is what Owen said. With all of these apology parades from the Astros, it's gotten me thinking how badly Manfred has managed this. If I were commissioner, I would suspend all active players still on the team from 2017 for 80 games, the equivalent of a typical PED suspension, as well as remove their draft picks for this year so they don't benefit from tanking. Is this a fair punishment? How would you punish the Astros? Owen, this is a great question. So, Manfred, if anyone... I don't know if you've lived under a rock. Manfred basically suspended AJ Hinch and Len Howe, the GM, the, well, the former GM and the former coach of the Astros for a year, and they fined him $5 million. And basically also got rid of their first, and I think it was like first and second round draft picks for the next two years. So draft picks are already off the board. Um, so, I mean, good question. I mean, like I said, their draft picks are already off the board for the next two years. And they got fined five million dollars. That's like there's been a lot of players that said this. It is a really soft punishment, like five million dollars to a comp- to a team that makes them millions upon millions, almost billions of dollars a year. You know, it, five million dollars is basically like just it's chump change for those guys. Not really going to do much. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't really hurt the team. There was no. You know, people wouldn't say, oh, they should strip the title. They need to strip the title. Baseball has never stripped the title. I've never seen, I mean, unless they have, I don't even know about that. I mean, we're talking like a long longevity of baseball, and I don't think there's any team who's gotten their title stripped. But punishment, oh, and I think you're, like the punishment of the 80 games, usually for PEDs, it's uh, it's half a season, so, 80, so it's 81 games. And then if it's the if it's the second you know punishment, it's 162. So I mean, you were close through 80. I do think that the guys who play, if how I would punish the Astros, I would probably have to. I would have to say that you would have to give those guys at least a half season ban. It's got to be at least a one games. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna suspend them, you gotta find them. You got to find those guys at least, you know, a million dollars, or it's got to be something that they can feel that you know they can feel the punishment and show the players that this will not be accepted. And everyone keeps talking about 2017, 2017. Oh, they 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 cheated in 2017. The Wall Street Journal has come out and said that they've been cheating for the last three years, and everyone knows it. It's been known that they've cheated since 2016, 17, and 18. Who knows? They probably could have cheated in 2019 as well. And that's what everyone needs to worry about. It's not just the one year. It's talking, you're talking three years. And I would say you would have to, you have to, you know, we just, it's it's, it's just so, it's really infuriating. It really makes me try to figure out, like, I want to figure out what the good punishment is, but it's just so infuriating just how soft these guys got punished. If you look at there's been in soccer there's been there's recently been another ban of a team this Manchester City I'm not going to talk soccer a whole lot on this show but Manchester City cheated UEFA found out banned them from the Champions League which is like the biggest tournament in the world for soccer for two years and fined them thirty million euros which is like I don't know. Someone can figure out the mathematical difference, you know, the 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 difference of thirty million euros to dollars. It's probably forty or fifty million or something like that. That's a punishment. You ban a team from a playoff, from a tournament for two years, and you find them thirty million euros. Like that's basically what, and basically everyone said, like, hey, baseball, this is how you punish a team, and I agree. That is how you punish a team. Ban them from the playoffs. That's what you know. That's what that's what baseball should have done. Ban them for the playoffs for two years, or you know, the equivalent of them cheating. If it's one year, ban them for a year. If it's been proven they cheated for two years, two or three years, ban them for the equivalent of how many years they cheated from the playoffs. So you're talking two, three years. Ban them for all two or three years. Find the team 
at least twenty million dollars. Five million is nothing. At least you know, hit them for twenty million. You know, bar them from draft picks for more than two years. You know, if you're not gonna like, if you were gonna suspend the guy, if you were gonna do something to the players, suspend suspend them for at least you know half a season, and then find them you know like five or like five million a piece from each player. Or if you're not gonna do that, you know, just ban them from the playoffs. That's why I'd say if you're not if you're not gonna punish the players, just ban the team from the playoffs for the amount of years equivalent to them cheating. So you're talking one to three years of them not being in the in the major league playoffs, and I'd be okay with that. But it's just so soft to the fact that they got immunity from all of this just to come out and help out with that. And another thing that Rob Manfred's come out and said, and this is just this is something that just blows my mind. He said he didn't punish the Astros players due to a team failure to communicate in a 2017 memo on use of technology. So Rob Manfred in 2017 got wind of, you know, technology being used by teams, most likely the Astros. And instead of, you know, just punishing the team or, you know, coming and saying, like, hey, you guys, like, this is legit. Like, we're going to start suspending guys and start hurting teams. He basically sent out a memo to all these teams saying, hey, don't use technology. You know, we don't want you guys to use this, blah, 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 blah. Pass it on to your players, you know, yada, yada, yada. And apparently he's saying that the team didn't communicate to the Astros players to not use technology. Uh, yeah, okay. That still didn't happen because the players still used it. And I don't... You can say that the Astros management messed up on that. I should have told them, you know what? I honestly believe that they were using it regardless. The players knew. Like, they knew they were using it. They probably know about the memo. And they probably just, you know, they probably just, you know threw it in the fireplace or, you know, just threw it in the trash and, you know, kept doing what they did. And what, and that's basically what it was. They did it for the rest of that year and in 2018. So don't Rob Manfred saying that he didn't punish them because the team didn't, you know, communicate the memo. I don't, I don't buy that for a second. I'm sorry. There's no way that you can be okay with that saying, Oh yeah, I, I, I couldn't ban them because the team didn't tell them. What do you mean? The team didn't tell them they knew about it. Like, what are you talking about? It's just, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard that Mar- Rob Manfred's like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't uh, I didn't suspend them because they didn't know about the technology memo. They didn't need about the technology memo because they've been using technology. The team doesn't, the, the team, it's, I don't know what, that's, that's this whole saga is just ridiculous and, you know, the apology tour that the owner gave and the players gave, it, it's so disingenuous. It really is. You can tell that there's no remorse. They were taught what to say. They, basically, it's them just saying sorry that they got caught. It's all it is. I don't... You you cannot for a second believe that those guys actually care and that they feel remorse. They don't. They just, got, they, they just feel bad because they got caught for it. And Carlos Correa coming out and saying, oh, you know... My wife, like his wife, told Altuve's wife, you know, to to let to tell to have Altuve told the players not to rip his jersey, you know, and all this other stuff, and saying how he's got a bad tattoo on his left collarbone, and all this stuff, and it's like, really, you're like you were that upset about a tattoo that was that bad. You are a baseball player. You make a lot of money. You know, you can get a tattoo artist to make a good tattoo. Don't use that as an excuse and don't, and then Korea come out and said, Oh, Altuve's wife didn't like how, you know, Jose got his, you know, Jersey ripped off off another walk off that year. Who cares? Like, who cares? Like you, you had a walk off Homer in the American league championship series game to go to the world series. And you're worried that your wife is going to get mad at you because your Jersey got ripped off the heat of the moment from your teammates. No, there is there is no it makes no sense. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's just it's impossible. There's all the excuses they're giving is ridiculous. And if you've seen the Cody Bellinger video, he even said that it, it just makes no sense. Like how do you hit a walk off homer and then have the thought? I'm paraphrasing this. How can you have the thought of not having telling your teammates not to rip your jersey off and then you go in the clubhouse, change your shirt and come back out to do your interview? 
that makes no sense. You were automatically on that field celebrating with your teammates, jersey probably ripped off, doing the interview and just whatever undershirt that you have or whatever they have, whatever you wore under your jersey. It makes absolutely no sense for any of the excuses that the Astros are given. And it's making the situation so much worse because the fact they keep talking and nothing has gotten better. Nothing has gotten better from this. And the fact that Rob Manfred has still come out and has done nothing either about this. And basically he's telling owners, don't talk about the situation or I'm going to, or I'm going to like give you a bigger penalty than what the Astros got. Oh, so you are going to punish teams for retaliating against the cheaters but you're not going to punish the team who actually cheated. That is that is another thing that is just is absolutely ridiculous. Is that that Dusty ba- even Dusty Baker has come out and said there should be a special tra- special treatment for my team for players that that who get hit by other by other teams. Uh, I'm sorry, you don't get Dusty. You are a new manager on that Astros team. You do not get any leeway to make any claim or any suggestion that oh, your team should get the benefit of the doubt or they should you know, get protected by these teams that want to plunk your players and basically give your team a hard time. No, you don't get that right. You don't. You are a new manager. You weren't there. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what happened. You don't get that right to say anything about what other teams should do. You really don't. <laughs> you're going to have hope you have fun enjoying this season when you're basically going to get booed at every single ballpark at every single game your home games are probably going to be the best games you're going to have in terms of not getting yelled at cussed out and all this other stuff and get because any away ballpark you go to i don't care who it is cleveland oakland texas florida new york wherever especially in new york you are going to get the biggest set of boos and a whole bunch of crap that you will ever see at a ballpark because you are now the worst hated team in baseball. The worst fans don't like, there is a universal hatred for the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers. And then you got some regional divisional rivalries that teams that people hate, hate their teams in their own division. But the Astros are now going to be the most hated baseball team ever for years to come. No one's going to respect that team. It could be 50 years from now when people are still not going to like the Astros because you are the most hated franchise now because you were caught cheating. Everyone knows that you did it for three years and you got nothing for it and you showed no remorse for it either. I'm sorry. You get no sympathy from anyone in baseball. Podcasters like myself, commentators, officials, fans, any other team, you get no respect. No one's going to feel bad for you, and you're going to get no sympathy from anyone because of just how much of the disrespect you've shown and the excuses you've shown of just how it is. And that's basically all I'm going to say about the Asher situation. It's just... That whole thing is a joke. It really is. It is just, it's a whole situation that is going to be a long year for those guys. It really is. And that's basically all I'm going to say about the actual situation. Unless something other major thing comes up. Like I said, this is just a strictly Indians only podcast. This is the only time I'm bringing this up, but Owen, thank you for your question. Really appreciate it. So thank you for that. And guys, make sure if you have fan questions, make sure when I hit that post on when I post it on Facebook asking for your fan questions, make sure to hit me up with a question because I would love to interact with you guys. I mean, if you if anyone's on the Facebook page, you see how interactive I am with with you guys on commenting and sharing, you know, talking about you know just contracts or baseball in general or just anything Indians. I'm always interacting with you guys, so please hit me up with a question because I would love to answer those and just to be able to talk to you guys. And all this other stuff. So please make sure to do that. We are going to take a quick break, do a little, you know, music segue into our next half of the show, which basically is going to cover, you know, anything, all the Cleveland Indians news that has happened since December, since the last episode, because I've been on a little bit of a hiatus 
with the, all this new stuff that's going on with the new, with the new name logo and all that. So we'll be right back after this after this quick transition, and we're going to talk about all anything that has happened with the Cleveland Indians since December. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of the show, and we are going to be talking about uh, all the stuff that's going on with the Cleveland Indians, you know, since December. Basically, just you know, all the signings and all the other news and good stuff like that. So, if, going back to December, if you talked, if you've seen just all the transactions that happened, you know that the Cleveland Indians did sign free agent Cesar Hernandez. You know that was a, I would say overall that was a pretty good you know deal for the Indians. You know, getting a second, you know, with Jason Kipnis leaving, it was something that. It was it was definitely a need the Indians have, especially with the infield. Just looking at how, just where they are stacked in terms of the depth and all that stuff too. So it is, I think it's overall a good sign. I mean, Cesar Hernandez does have a good overall. You know, he's a good solid of his game. You know, he got a good average. You know, doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but I think it's, I think for right now, just how he is in terms of just what Cesar Hernandez can do for the, you know, the Indians overall as a second baseman. I think it's something to look for in terms of fixing the infield, you know, cause they signed him to a one year, 6.25 million deal where basically his current numbers over the seven years that he's played, he's a 277 average player, 46 home runs, 27 triples, 80 stolen bases and 832 games with the Phillies in his seven years. So the guy does hit for average, doesn't hit a lot of home runs. You know, he does get, you know, a lot of extra base hits, but this guy's got speed. You know, he's got good speed. You know, like I said, 80 stolen bases. That is something that is going to be beneficial. Now, everyone's talking to the Indians. There's talks that they either might have Lindor lead off or Cesar Hernandez lead off for the Indians. And I, Overall, I think that might be a good idea. You know, depending on who you have, whoever the one is, it's definitely going to be the other guy's going to be the number two. So I definitely see that happening in terms of what are the Indians looking for? Are they looking for Frankie to continue to lead off, or are they wanting him to be that number two guy because the fact that he's got, you know, he's got the speed, he's got the power, he just has everything that, you know, the Indians have been loving for the last few years. So if they want to see him hit out of the two hole, you know, get more and get more chances for you know RBIs and all that. You know, have it just, you know switch it up a little bit. I think Cesar Hernandez would be the perfect guy to have in terms of leading off if that's what the Indians are looking at. So Cesar Hernandez, that one year, six point two five million. I think that's a good. I think it's a good deal. The guy's really good. Like I said, he's a, he's a career average two seventy seven guy. So you know that he's getting it on base. It's gonna be interesting to see what he does in terms of just defense, just playing on defense. You know, the offensive production from the plate. You know, it is gonna be really weird to see Jason Kipnis not being in a Cleveland Indians uniform in second base. But I have to take a second to you know. Just give Jason, you know, best wishes and good luck because he did sign with the Chicago Cubs on a minor league deal. So hope for the best for him. Hopefully that you know he makes it onto the major league team and still plays major league baseball. Love Jason Kipnis. I know the last couple of years were kind of rough, you know, overall, but love Jason. I thought he did a great job with the Indians for the last ten years, and I hope he really does well. So hopefully that works out for him. I'm excited to see what Cesar Hernandez does. It is going to make it interesting to see how he and Frankie work together on, you know, in terms of double plays, working together in the infield. So that would be an interesting thing to look at. Um, because of getting Cesar Hernandez, Eric Casse was designated for assignment, and he did get traded on January 8th to the te- to the Detroit Tigers for cash. Eric Hossi's been with the team for a long time. He was still that guy who was really just stuck in triple A, you know, with Roberto, you know, with, you know, just Roberto Perez and then Jan Gums for a while. Now Roberto Perez and Sandy Leone, who they who the Indians traded to for the Red Sox. It's gonna be it's just Eric Hossi is one of those guys that, you know, he just seemed like he was just perpetually stuck at, you know, in the triple A. 
wasn't really showing, he wasn't jumping off the page for the Indians to be like, oh, yo, let's make a move. Let's go and do something. Like, let's make a, you know, a move to get this guy on the major league team for a long time. It's just, it just seemed like that was never going to be an option. So for Eric Hase, that's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's just, it's unfortunate that he just never got that chance and he will, I mean, best wishes to Eric in Detroit. Hopefully he makes that team. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's going to be interesting to see, to see what they do. Now, on the 23rd, they invited a lot of players to, you know, to, as a non roster invite to spring training. Big names that were mostly, you know, the ones that were pretty much, you know, jumping off the page and well known. Ernie, Ernie Clement got, you know, roster invite as a shortstop. Mike Freeman, you know, non roster second base invite. So it's good to see those guys coming back. Uh, Kai, uh, Kai Tom, I think is how you pronounce his name, non roster center fielder invite. So those are a lot of the guys who were invited to Major League as a non-roster. So it's interesting to see what they do, what those those guys do, especially Mike Freeman. I'm hoping. I mean, I really like Mike Freeman. He did a good job at the infield last year. I definitely see him playing a lot of, you know, if they do bring him on the team, a lot of utility to give guys some rest in the infield. Another guy that the uh, Indians signed is uh, free agent. Uh, catcher Cameron Rupp to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Cameron Rupp is, you know, he was with the Phillies. He's, you know, he's, he's an okay average, you know, he's an average catcher. He's okay. Um, you know, good OPS on base percentage, but you know, good defensively, but I see him possibly as if he doesn't make the team, you know, that, that next guy that might come up for them, he might, you know, lead the triple a team. You know, be the starting catcher for them, and just see what he does down there. And in case you know, Sandy Leon gets injured or Roberto Perez, you know, gets injured. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. But there's a possibility that one of those guys get injured or something happens. Having a guy like Cameron up down in the minors, you know, to potentially call up might be a good move. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. And uh, the biggest, you know, one of the most recent transactions that a lot of Indians fans were excited to hopefully see happen. Happened on Valentine's Day last Friday. The Indians signed left fielder slash designated hitter Domingo Santana to a one year, just slightly above a $1 million deal, which could turn into a two year, $7.5 million deal. Excuse me. With that second year being a club option with a $5 million incentive increase and bonus increase. So right now it's looking at the 1.1, 1.12, maybe 1.5 deal for Domingo Santana. Like I said, with a possible club option in year two, if he comes back now, everyone is really liking Domingo Santana. I mean, I like his game. I think he's going to be a good addition to the team because he does have a lot of pop. He does, you know, defensively, he is not God, he's not great per se. So if anything, you could probably see him maybe platoon in left field, possibly right field. And you're going to see him play a lot, maybe see him play a lot of the uh, DH because the Indians have talked about, you know, getting Framil Reyes more production in the outfield because they don't want to have a young guy like him be stuck as a designated hitter. They want Reyes to be, you know, a good I'm not say like a phenomenal outfielder, but you're gonna have this. They want to use him more in the outfield to give him, you know, just not have him stuck as that DH role guy. They want him to actually get a little bit productive in the outfield, and you know, be able to have him, you know, platoon between DH and the outfield, which I think is a good idea, you know, for Framel Reyes because you know he's young. You know, he like they he does need some production out there and give him some chances to play out there and use his field using his glove. So, I mean, both of those guys, though, aren't really spectacular, maybe okay. I would say they're mostly okay outfielders defensively, not guys you would want to, you know, hang your hat on in terms of phenomenal outfielders, you know, like of, you know, Kenny Lofton or Mayor Ramirez or guys or like Tyler Naquin and all the guys like that. But it's, it's something to definitely look out for. But, yeah, Domingo Santana, this was his – this was his stats last year. 121 games played. He uh, went 114 for 451 at-bats. 
for an average of 253. He had 21 homers, 69 RBIs, eight stolen bases, 50 walks. He did have 164 strikeouts, which did lead them, which was like third in the majors. But you're talking in terms of a year where strikeouts were just high across the board. So take take the 164 with a grain of salt. Don't be no. I wouldn't say look too much into that, so I wouldn't say not really worry about that in terms of his strikeouts. Uh, on base percentage was a 329, slugging 441 with an OPS of 770, which is really good. He did have 12 errors in the outfield. Like I said, that does come with his lack of ability in the outfield. So I would say you know watch out for you know there might be some chance there might be sometimes where he has some defensive mishaps, but. Overall, I think the Indians saw this guy as a potential steal, which I think it really is a steal for the fact that you got a guy on a one-year. It's technically right now, like I said, a one-year $1.1, $1.3 million deal with a possible chance of making of 7.5 over 2. But the fact that he got 21 home runs last year and 69 RBIs on only 114 hits and at a, with, 100, with 451 at-bats and only 121 games, you give this guy a 162 game season. I mean, the the Indians probably could have got a sneaky, like a sneaky deal, in terms of if this guy gets, if this guy gets like 25 to 30 home runs, let's say 25 at the most, and he clips at 75 to 80 RBIs this year and gets, let's say 260 to 270 average. That's that's gonna be the most. That's gonna be a monumental steal for the Indians getting a guy like that who can get you all that production with the home runs, the RBIs, the average, and all that stuff, and you know, decent defensive play. I think I think Domingo Santana that'll be a huge move in terms of the Indians. Like I said, as a steal option to get in terms of the outfield and getting that guy right, you know, just before spring training. So it's gonna be. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of that per se. Now, turn, looking at other stuff that's happened around with the Indians. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Mike Clevenger did have surgery. He is gone until for the next 68 weeks. Um, he's out. Unfortunately, with an injury, because he had a partial torn meniscus in his knee. And right now they're looking at 68 weeks, which is basically is the home opener for the Indians, or opening day. So it's possible you're not you're going to be you're, with with him waiting until then to actually start doing anything pitching wise. And then once he actually starts his rehab, you're talking probably mid to late April that Mike Cleveridge is going to be back, which is going to be. Some people would think it'd be a really huge blow for the Indians, and I think it kind of it it is something that kind of you know hinders how that's going to look in terms of what the starting what the rotation is going to be, especially having Clevenger out. You don't really want that because the fact that Clev has been out for like a long time, you know, he's been hurt before and stuff like that. But with the Indians' rotation, I think that with you know having you know Car- you know Carlos Carrasco back, you got Shane Bieber, you got Aaron Savali, Zach Plesac. You know, Adam Plunko, Logan Allen, Tristan McKenzie. You know, that's already what seven or eight guys right there in terms of the depth that the Indians have at starting pitching. The Indians are like one of the basically like one of the teams in baseball with the best overall depth at starting pitching and just the development of pitching. That's just how great the Indians are in terms of getting their pitchers to be so good. The fact that that is just uh, just a plethora of players to have in terms of who you want in your organization to help you long-term. So yeah, Clevenger is hurt. It does, you know, hurt the team a little bit having like your, basically your essential quote unquote ace. The ace hasn't really been established in terms of the Indians because, you know, in the past it was always Corey Kluber, but looking at overall, you see Mike Clevenger as the number one guy on the team some could argue Shane Bieber too, but having him, having you know him, you know, just losing Sunshine for that long, kind of it's it's kind of hard to see. But hopefully, you know, hopefully his recovery goes well. Hopefully, he gets better, and hopefully, see him back, you know, in the in the Indians jersey 
and on the roster soon. Like I said, you're probably looking mid to late April by the time he's back. So depending on all the rainouts the Indians have, because, you know, it's Cleveland in April, he might he might be able to come back and not miss a start because that's just how it is. Just how it is with the Indians, though, unfortunately. But, yeah, he is going to be out for a little while. So be uh, so we're going to keep an eye on that, and hopefully he does get better. Now, another thing that I noticed going to we're talking a little bit the project the there the prospectus came out the projected al standings uh baseball prospectus came out with their projected standings they have the indians finishing 86 and 76 which is basically going to give them if the new playoff format started this year it would have given them the one two three four five six yeah, they would have got they would have gotten the number six spot in the playoffs because they have the Twins finishing ninety three and sixty nine, and then they have the, the Angels getting in, Houston, Tampa Bay, the Yankees, and stuff like that. So the Indians would get in under the new that that new projected playoff system if ever it did happen. But eighty six games though, and finishing still seven back of the Twins. I, I don't see the Indians win just 86. You, I would think you would see about 91 and 93 for the Indians, just like they did last year. They had 93 wins last year, you know, and that's with, you know, that was with Kluber being gone for almost the entire season, and the pitching was on, you know, the pitching was really good. You know, the bullpen, not so much, and that's with the, with the offense being inconsistent. Now, if you get the offense being consistent this year, all throughout the whole season, and the starting pitching being as it was last year, and hopefully the bullpen being better. Shoot, I could literally see ninety-one to ninety-three wins for the Indians easily, no doubt. You could probably see almost ninety-five if you, if the team gets hot at the right time. So for them to have a six, I don't see that happening. I could definitely see more of that from the Indians. You know, this year that they're going to have more than just a six wins. I think the prospectus is kind of a little bit off in terms of where they think the Indians are going to be. But no, I think it's going to be 91 to 93, maybe 95 if the Indians get hot and do it at the right time. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Now, looking back towards the players and just the guys that the Indians have signed there, you know, Mandy Bell, um, the beat writer for the Indians on LLB.com. She does a lot of great articles. Um, she, she, you know, talked about the, you know, the goals, that Frank, that Terry Francona has for the you know the Indians outfield, in terms of the fact that it's like he said to the guys like there's a quote from the article here he says, look at the board, it's a crowded board, and I want to say, yeah, it is a pretty crowded outfield because in terms of you got Jordan Luplo, <laughs> Tyler Naquin, Oscar Mercado, Delano Del Shields. Greg Allen, Bradley Zimmer, Framil Reyes, Domingo Domingo Santana. You're talking eight guys. You're talking eight players. Like that is a lot of guys in the outfield already that you're gonna have to deal with and find the places to put them. Like, <laughs> hey uh, Terry, no kidding. Yeah, it's pretty crowded. <laughs> I mean. They're unfortunately you're going to have guys on this team now that are probably going to start in the minors. I mean, I'm, I'm going to hate to say it, but probably Greg Allen's probably going to be one of those guys because you traded for Delano Del Shields, which still is a part of the deal. I still don't understand what the Indians saw in him because he's basically just an older version of Greg Allen, who's mostly got speed. I mean, Greg Allen does bring a lot of other stuff too, but. The Lionel Shields is still a part of that deal. I do not understand why they brought him in. I really don't. So you're looking at Greg Allen possibly starting, you know, in AAA. Naquin, Naquin still isn't going to be back for another, what, couple months? They're still talking like April or May for Naquin to come back. And then what? You got Domingo Santana and Franville Reyes in that whole situation. You know, who's going to play in right? Who's going to DH? And then you got Jordan Luplo. Uh, he's probably going to be starting in left field, and and then what are you going to do then with Oscar Mercado? Because people are saying Oscar Mercado might be the starting center fielder, or 
I've heard of rumors that they might they might start Mercado in the AAA and give him more chance to, you know, grow down there and just give Delano Del Shields the starting nod at center. <laughs> so you're probably looking at Luplo, the Shields, and Reyes in the outfield, and you might have someone coming off the bench like Zimmer or you know you got Jake Bowers as well. It's the, the whole outfield situation is just it's it's one of those position battles I'm definitely going to keep my eye on for the whole spring training because just how just jam just jam packed the whole spot is it is just an absolutely insane mess of just who's going to be playing where like who's like who's going to be playing where like who and who's going to be starting there and who's going to be on the bench like I said it's just it's it's a situation that it's just gonna, it's going to be it's just going to be a mess. It's going to be a whole thing that the base of this, this entire spring training is just going to be looking like in terms of what are they going to do with the Indians in the outfield? So I don't know how that's going to play out. We'll have to keep an eye out for sure. Cause it's going to be an interesting situation to look out for. Now, another thing that just came out this morning that I've been noticing and, you know, cleveland.com in, um, Hoisey, you know, Paul Hoyes talked about this, and it's been brought up through the athletic. Uh, by, um, is that Chris Antonetti has come out for about Francisco Lindor saying that, quote, this is a quote from Chris Antonetti per the athletic. He doesn't want to sign in Cleveland long term and have that compromise our ability to build a championship team. We're trying to work through that and we continue to work at it. And he's also come out and said that. He wants Frankie to come back because he's also said we uh, we'd love for Francisco to be here long term. Said Antonetti, following the first day of full squad workouts. I think Francisco shares that desire. Our ownership has made meaningful efforts to try and do that, and so has Francisco. He and his representative David Meter continue to express to us publicly and privately that he'd like to stay here. I think that's been consistent with what he's told all of you. Uh, now, how do we make it happen? Is where it gets difficult. It's a really hard situation. It's not because of lack of desire on our part or Francisco's part, but more when you look at the economics of baseball and the, and the realities of building championship teams in a small market. It gets really difficult. Now, I think it's a great sign for the fact that this thing is now we have a, we actually have a pulse on what's going on with this situation in terms of Francisco Lindor because the Indians are showing that they want to get this guy signed. And Francisco has shown that he does want to get signed. And I've seen fans saying that, oh, it's whatever. It's the same old story. He wants to stay in Cleveland, blah, blah, blah. He wants to stay in the t- he wants to stay here, but he wants to make money. And if he doesn't, he's going to dip out. And fans are like, I've already seen fans, which is crazy to me. It's a, it's a small minority, but it still has to be said that, that Frankie can go away, that the industry should just trade him now, or he can just, you know, write out his contract and, peace out we don't want you here anymore it's whatever and i like i know it's a small minority but it's like come on you really are gonna say that you don't really care if frankie stays or he's you know he's a you know a, a greedy player and all that stuff no the what how frankie is that guy frankie lindor is a guy who does need to get paid he is a great player he's a five tool player he knows what he's doing you know that's a guy that's a franchise player. You try to get him his money and you try to just, you know, do best you can to keep him with the team. Do, you cannot sit here and say that Frankie does not deserve his money or he's being too crazy or he's going to take a hometown discount. He is probably one of the top 3 players in baseball. I you're talking like, you know, Mookie Betts and, you know, you're also talking like Mike Trout. Frankie is like I know MLB.com came out and said that Frankie is the top is the tenth best player in baseball. I'm sorry, Francisco Lindor is the number. Th- he has to be one of the top three players in baseball. Power, speed, fielding, just that guy hits every check mark in terms of a five tool player and then some. So I'm just glad the Indians are actually doing something and are actually coming. The Indians are a team that don't say anything. They don't see anything about what you know what they're what they're talking about, what they want to do with the player, except for Francisco Lindor. He is the only guy that the Indians have come out and said this. And like I said, if you have like if you haven't seen that um 
uh, article. Go check the Facebook page out from uh, Paul Hoyes. It is something to really look out. It's something to really look at. It's, it's um, just looking at how Frankie Lindor and the Indians are looking to try to get a multi-year contract done. And I mean, you can't really, I mean, Antony's not wrong. In terms of how, where the baseball climate is now, guys are getting just astronomical contracts for 10 to 13 years, 420, 400, 300 million dollar contracts. Like you got guys like Mercado, you got, you know, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper who are nowhere. They I mean they're really good players, but you're not talking about guys who are like Mookie Betts or Francisco Lindor or Mike Trout who deserve that much money. You got guys like that who are like really good players, but not top tier guys, you know, like of them where they're making that much money. But you got guys making $300 million who are really good players, but I don't think they're like top 10 or like top five players. When you look at top five guys who could make that money. So Antony is not wrong in terms of, you know, Lindor, where his, where his value is, his value is up there. It's just how it is for the how it is for the climate of baseball now. It is really it's it's high. So I mean, you really can't blame Frankie. Frankie he does deserve that money. He need, he deserves to get paid. And I hate to say it, but I mean it's true though. He deserves it. He's done so much for this team. He's done a lot for baseball, and he deserves to get paid for what he, for what he's worth. And unfortunately, everyone's gonna be like, "Well, the Indians have this huge TV deal and all this other stuff," and the Dolans. You know, are just cheap, and I, I'm not a Dolan sympathizer. I mean, I've come out and said that I'm not a big fan of the Dolans, and I think they actually need to, you know, spend money. And the fact that they've cut 44 million this year already, and looking to cut more or hold back some more, I mean, they have gone out and paid 90 million dollar contracts since 2016. You know, for the whole payroll. I mean, they're not cheap. They've they've spent money. You know, with this team, 2016, like between 15, 16, and 17, also 18. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they might they might need to cut some you know deals back or contracts back and cut the payroll back. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it is how it is for small markets and medium sized markets. And fans saying, "Oh, that's just you know that's BS." You know, the Indians do make money. The Dolans are just cheap. But I mean, I can I mean I agree. Like sometimes they are cheap in terms of what certain contracts and certain players they go for. But in terms of guys like Francisco Lindor, that is, that is a lot of money, and that's really something to look at in terms of you know just how it is with those players and stuff like that. So it's going to be something to look out for. So, I mean, I'm just glad the Indians and Antony have come out and said that they're looking at to sign Frankie to a long-term deal. So that's really something to look at. But I think that is going to wrap up episode two of downtown indians i'm so glad you guys were able to you know stick with me through the whole you know the whole process of the, of the brand re, you know the rebrand the new name new all that stuff so thank you guys for you know sticking with me through all that thank you for staying active on the facebook page well i was over the last two weeks we've had a massive surge of numbers we're now over we're up to 600 we're up to 680 likes which is amazing so thank you guys so much for building that page up you know invite your friends invite family you know invite them to the page and all that stuff i really appreciate that you know we got the new twitter account up so make sure to check make sure to check out that twitter account too so thank you like i said thank you guys so much for all this so that being said go to facebook you know go to downtown indians on facebook give that a like make sure when you hit the like button there's a follow feature that should pop up hit the follow button make sure to hit see first so that way you get all the um, updates of content that I give. I am active on that Facebook page. So if you want to hit me, hit me up on there, you know, just drop a comment or send a message and all that stuff. I will get back to you guys and be very interactive in between, you know, the podcast shows. So it's not just me doing the podcast and that's it. I am very active on Facebook. So make sure, like I said, hit the like, hit the see first feature on the follow. Also go to Twitter. Follow us on there at Downtown Indians. I'm also active on there as well. So make sure to take a look on there as well. Make sure we, I want to build that account up too because that's a lot of other content that I keep up with in terms of anything baseball-related news. But until then, guys, I hope you have a great next couple weeks. Hope everyone enjoys the spring training You know that's been going on with the Indians with the full squad being back and also with the first game of spring training coming back this Saturday against the Cincinnati Reds. So... 
I know everyone is looking forward to that. I know I am. I am just I am so ready for Indians baseball to be back. That is Saturday, February 22nd against the uh, Cincinnati Reds at 3.05 Eastern. I don't know if it's going to get shown on TV, but either way, I'm excited for Indians to be back. Until next time, guys, let's go Indians and have a great time. It's by Esco. It's by Esco.